they're actually the originally the original operating systems before computers that God designed, right? It's your soul. It's so important. One key fa- factor that we know is your mind. Your mind receives that perspective. So there's a moment. Your perspective allows that moment to go into that space. Your mind, part of your soul, begins to think what's going on in that space. Whatever's the biggest influence in that space will be the resolve of that moment. Influence is the commerce in this space. Your soul can partner for good or bad. It's just designed to be an operating system by God. But it's a powerful system. I think many times in church, some of us are guilty of this, and teaching the Bible, and teaching God, and teaching His love and everything, we tend to forget that we are not just our mind. And renewing our mind is important, but there's emotions that are equally important in our lives. And then when those two get together, they execute a will in what you're going to do in your life. So as Christians, we need to be okay with our emotions sometimes. They, don't need, to, they need to be under control, but we'll see later how that happens. But they all need to be working together because that's how God designed them together. Right? Let me give some illustrations of what I'm talking about. That's my first illustration. You had 15 seconds almost of silence in this room. There was a moment that just started where some of you were starting to process and through your perspective filtered that into that space and said, what is going on with him? Did he just blank out? Seriously, most of you got into that space. Some of you were even concerned about me. Thank you very much, Mom. Thank you. You know, did he just blank out? What's he doing? But that's a moment. And your perspective brought you into that space. And depending where your understanding was at that time, again, the walls of your space, is depending how you were interpreting and your soul began to think about, is this guy okay? What's about to happen here? Simple illustration. But that's catalyst. I was the catalyst. It was me, right? And it was what I was doing. You know, a great example coming up, and you've already maybe experienced this with Thanksgiving, you have Christmas season upon you. And what's going to happen? Some of the greatest catalysts of moments are going to be right in front of you. Your family, right? Outlaws, in-laws, brothers, sisters, you name it. You're going to be gathering together all to commune and hang out. And you're going to have a lot of opportunities to define the moments that happen in those gatherings. Uncle Martin goes off on politics, labels everybody in the world of what they are. And on top of it, he's a Yankees fan. What are you going to do? What's that moment like when you go to that space? Are you going to be present and try and understand him and sit through it? Or are you going to tune out and say, Uncle Martin's always been Uncle Martin, right? How do you stay present? 
Or even another example. Again, a person being a catalyst. You're out shopping, and you see this person a few aisles down. Come on, everybody's following me. You see this person... It's somebody you would rather not talk to when you're out shopping. They're very needy. Not that they want money, but they're just always saturated with themselves. But you'd rather avoid them in the store. So they're a little distance and you think you've been spotted. You're like, oh, no. So what happens? A moment is created. Your perspective says this is an important moment. You're in that space. Your soul and your mind are talking. Your soul and your mind, they're all working together. Your emotions are building. I don't have time to talk to this person. They need to know how busy I am. And you're processing this all in the space. You go to look back where that person is straight ahead, and they're not there, right? Now, your past law of physics class knows the quickest point from A to B is a straight line, but you don't know where they are right now. Suddenly, you hear their voice in the back. Hey, it's me. How are you today? I'll let you tell the rest of the story. What's your reaction right then and there? Moments. Moments. Processing those moments. These are things that just can happen every day. Let's get in the Word now. Can you get Genesis 16, 1 through 2? I want to give some examples of some of the folks in the Bible that I could believe we could say had those moments and they went into their space. But because they lent too much to their understanding in those moments, had an outcome that God really didn't favor. So let's start with this one. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, we know this story, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, again, she's in this moment, the Lord has prevented me from having children. So she's declaring this. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram willingly agreed with Sarai in in proposal. So here you go. I don't need to go anymore. So here you go. Sarai is in this moment. And God is telling her she's going to have a child. Abram knows too. They have no way how this is going to happen but God, unfortunately. So she drops into this moment through her perspective, gets in this space, leans to her understanding and says, my resolve on this is my husband is going to do that. And the resolve, as we know, is Ishmael and all the legacy of that, right? Let's look at another scripture, John 18, 15 through 27. We all know this one. This one can hit home at times, right? Not that we were there when Jesus was crucified, but the way the world's turning, we, we could be put in these situations. So our beloved Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did the other disciples. So we know that. This is right after the crucifixion. The other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. So here's Simon Peter. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate. So there's a lot of chaos going on. And she let Peter in. So he comes into the gate. 
the woman notices Peter. He, she asks Peter, here it is, you're not one of the man's disciples, are you? Peter jumps, what is it? Peter takes that moment. His perspective ushers him into that space. His own understanding comes in. If I say yes, am I the next to be the person on the cross? But he says no. He said, I am not. And he denied Christ. He went to that space and had that resolve. I'm going to say that space many times today, so I'm going to bludgeon you with this title. But let's get into some, a few other things too. There, I believe there's really two great influences that attach to our understanding. Again, the understanding is in the walls of this space. Follow me. One is your past. Especially a negative past. Moments, events, stigmas that have created hurt over time. That can, the past can be very heavy for some, and it's real. It's okay to have this past, but don't let it influence you in this space that we're talking about today. We heard from Russ Taff a few weeks ago. He had a very hard past in validation, encouragement, and believing in him, his father, his parents never really believed in him. So that past helped him to make some decisions about his addictions and things he saw in life. Thank God he was able to get out of them only by the grace of God. But this is another example of having your past influence. Your hurting past does not need to keep you bound to the present and give it less value. So you have an open door. Here's an illustration. An open door to meet an old friend. Only problem, that old friend hurt you at one point. What's going to happen? When you're in that moment, seeing that friend, most likely, when you are in that space, your past is hanging out with your understanding. And it is talking to you. It is speaking louder to you than anything in that space and is influencing your soul. So your mind says, I'm tiptoeing into this thing because you're probably going to hurt me again. Don't say it out loud, but maybe some people would. But maybe God sees an opportunity in that moment to have you reconcile with that person. But you're too busy listening to your own understanding and leaning on it. And you lose that moment. As I get older, I learn... Don't wait to reconcile at a casket. Life is very short. Bless you. Life is very short. Here's another example. It's a catalyst but a, by a thing. Let's say flying and traveling. Say your last airline flight, you had a very bad flight. Not mass dropping from the ceiling and everybody screaming, but you just had a lot of bad turbulence, right? So that thing is a pass to you. And then you get an opportunity to go travel. You're in that moment. That person says, hey, why don't you come with me? We're going to go to blah, blah, blah and go travel. I think you could use the rest and benefit from it. What's happening? You're now getting into that space and your past is speaking to your understanding and your understanding says, no, I am all done flying. But you could have missed this great opportunity to do something like that. These are simple things that bring big impact in your life down the road. 
Or if you're a person that has never, this is your past again, this one element that can really hang out with your understanding. Another example is you're a person that never got encouragement or validation, kind of like Russ Taff we just mentioned. And you're in a moment and a ministry leader asks you to, hey, I think you've been here for a while. Would you like to actually serve and do something at church and help our church community? So you're in that moment. Perspective agrees. It's a big moment. So your understanding is in that space talking to you and saying, well, I can't do anything like that. That's a big responsibility. And you kindly say to the leader, I'll pray about No, you, you kindly say, no. And you miss that entire opportunity of what God was laying in front of you and doing. Let's go some biblical examples of some of the Bible characters that have used their past and made some decisions. We all know this story, Jonah 11, 1 through 3. I'm just going to par- I'm going to talk quickly through it because our time's growing close to an end at some point here. But we all know this. Jonah was asked by God to go to Nineveh, right? Remember that. Jonah whale Nineveh. Okay. So he's asked by God to do this. And that is a moment. And he goes into this space and his past of how he identifies the people of Nineveh help him decide his resolve of what he's going to do, which was the opposite of the opportunity that God was laying for him. So when God said, hey, I want you to go to Nivna, he's like, oh my gosh, these sinful, wretched, dirty, low-down, blah, blah, blah people. That's my past. That's my vision with them. That's how I see them. I'm not going to go help you save them. As we know, he went into the space. That understanding was there of the past and God had to change plans and put him in a whale and redirect him, right? How about let's talk about Simon Peter again. There's a scripture where Jesus is really meeting him for the first time and getting acquainted with him and it's Luke 5, 4 through 8. When Jesus had finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper. So again, they're in the boat. And let down your nets to catch some fish. Simon says, Master, he replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear up. Have you ever seen a crying fisherman? I have not. but And shout for help. To bring the partners in the other boat, they needed help. And soon both boats were there filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. That's a lot of fish. Here's the key point here. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. So here's a moment for Simon Peter. He's overwhelmed with the event. That is a moment his perspective says, this is a big moment. Let's get it into the space. His understanding and his past, his past. What was his past? He said he's a sinful man. Created his resolve of saying, I am unworthy to even be next to this master called Jesus. 
How much do we that, do that in our own lives when Jesus is beckoning and calling us to be in his presence and we say, I'm not worthy? One more. We'll do one more example of the past and how it is influencing somebody in the Bible here. Luke ten thirty-eight through 42. We know this one well too. Yeah. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed her into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the feet listening to what he taught. But, here's Martha. What's about to happen? She's going to have a moment. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worthy being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So I can only imagine Martha's childhood. At best, she was probably scolded as a child for not cleaning her room, right? Embarrassed if she made mistakes. I'm just kind of painting a picture of Martha here of her past. When she was not in control in a moment or a situation, it was definitely a loss of control and what wasn't right. She couldn't even live in the now and realize being that the Son of God was more important and in her home than to prepare for Him instead of being with Him. So she went into that space, her past, if she said all these things behind her in that moment and decided she had to just prepare and clean for the Messiah. And she missed what Mary knew she, He was there for. How many moments do we miss when we get distracted with some things of our past? People will hurt you to create your past. Things will happen to create a past. Especially church folks, they can hurt you too. I'm sure I'm guilty of that, right? We all are. I loved what Pastor Scales said when he was here. I think it was in the men's meeting. He said, you always have friendly fire in church. But the most important thing is what you do after it. Healing will happen for the past. It can, you can heal from it. The second element that attaches to our understanding and, and, and speaks in that space to influence our soul is self-centeredness. Most people don't even know they have it. They're in denial. They're so concerned about themselves that they can't see beyond any moments. The definition of self-centered is pretty easy. Preoccupied with oneself and one's affair. When somebody's self-centered, there's no government program, no politician, not even the Avengers from Disney and DC Comics can save one from oneself because that will and that soul is strong and it's a big influencer in our understanding. 
The element has not just creeped into our culture. We know about that. It's a culture of self. But it's creeped into the church, right? I heard this neat quote once. It said, There is nothing more irreligious than self-absorbed religion. Self-centeredness is everywhere. Don't let it influence your understanding in your space. Some of the self-centeredness symptoms are I'm the only one that's going through something, right? The no man is an island opposite of that. It's important to understand that these are the two greatest elements, your past and any self-centeredness that will attach to your understanding when you're in that space. So here's a little illustration too starting... And we just saw a video about that out of the mouths of babe. Um, you know, when God asks you to tithe, and you can't do it because you get into this moment and you're in that space and your understanding is influencing your soul and you're looking at your checkbook and you're looking at your bills and your resolve is, I just can't do it yet. When God sees an opportunity to test me, right? That video, test me, prove me. I will provide your needs. Or even yourself, or even if you're an illustration, if you have an addiction or habits, from your point of view, it's not a big deal. Your self-centeredness, but it's affecting the lives of people around you. In this space, we continue to lean to our own understanding to regard ourselves over any opportunities that are greater than ourselves. Here's a, a last, uh, I, it's kind of funny, but it isn't. We see this all the time. Um, here's an example of self-centeredness in motion in public. So here, you go to the store. I like living at the store, I guess. Here's my all, all my examples are at stores. But here, you're at the store, all right? You're at the store, you're shopping, and there's, this young, there's, uh, there's a mother with her child. His name's Jimmy, let's say. And Jimmy is not listening to the mother. And, and the mother's voice continues to escalate throughout the store. We all hear or see this, and some of us might have been there at one point doing it. So Jimmy is not listening to the mother. It gets loud. Most of the people in the store hear it. At the end of the day, we're just really dealing with two selfish people and whose will is going to win, right? The kid or the mother. But the, the real root of this is what I'm saying is most of the time it's not the parent's main interest to correct the child in that manner. It's from a selfish standpoint, don't you dare embarrass me, right? So these moments and this space is going on. And the outpouring of that is not usually a good resolve at all. Jimmy has ears, he can hear, but where does the discipline really start? It starts before that person, they should have entered the store, right? All right, is there any hope for this? I've been talking about being in this space. You know, you're, you're, again, your perspective is the one that lets these moments into this space. Your soul, your understanding are influencing each other to bring some resolve. Is there hope? Well, as Christ believers and Christ followers, there absolutely is. We know this, right? 
Because I believe in these moments, as I kind of touched on earlier, God is calling us to pioneer in opportunities in these moments and not rely on our own understanding. As, as Christ followers, we can't. We need to avoid leading to our own understanding. So here's what we can begin to do, I believe. At least I've been starting to do in my own life, and I am not far from finishing. I guess none of us ever are really until we come face-to-face with our Lord and Savior. I believe the importance of how we can better have better influence in this space is we begin to grow in the fullness of Christ. And most of the attributes of you are growing in the fullness of Christ is the Holy Spirit. Pastor John's been talking about this a lot too. That Holy Spirit is in you. But even greater, that Holy Spirit can move into that space. That space is not bad. It just needs a good influence. So once you get that Spirit in there, which the soul is already in there, and they are working hand in hand, they begin to push those walls of your understanding further and further out so you can see opportunities that God wants it, wants you, and you're not bound by your past. You're not bound by self-centeredness. God has designed the soul and the spirit to sink together. But it begins by trusting Him. Trusting Him that He can fill you with the fullness of Christ. Only God knows where the brim is in each and every one of our lives, right? We just need to continue to make sure we're being filled. What is the attributes of being filled? First of all, you've got to receive His love. If you really do not receive His love, a lot of this is just going through motions in life. Most of Christianity is just motions if we do not understand how much God loves us and trusting in that. Then some of the other attributes of the fullness of Christ, walking in His righteousness, walking in His grace. And one most important thing that some of us feel that we get handicapped in, walking in the authority that God has given us while we're here on earth. That's what I think the fullness of Christ is. Charles Spurgeon had a wonderful saying, and I'll read it twice. He said, and it's a piercing truth, I believe, you will never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything but Christ. You will never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything but Christ. The fullness of Christ will affect every area in that space in your life. One of the starts that you'll know that you're getting filled with Christ is your perspective starts growing. I don't believe there's such thing as a bad perspective. There's just a limited perspective in life. So some of those things that will start happening again as the fullness of Christ starts moving and growing in your life, that perspective starts growing. Again, that is the gatekeeper to that space. How can we grow? Our, how will this perspective begin to grow as we're getting into it? Have decided to hunger for the fullness of Christ. Second Timothy three sixteen. You got to read and study and digest the Word of God. That's the starting point. We know this as churchgoers, but do we know it? 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God. Well, then it may be important to read, right, and digest. And it's useful to teach us 
teach us what? Greater things than on our understanding. What is true and will make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So digest, read the word, grow your perspective in that way. I would encourage not just to study on just principles. Listen to my whole sentence here. Don't shoot me down yet. I would, I would, I would encourage you not to just to study the principles and digest the truths of the word. They are critical, important. But I would also encourage you to study the historical parts of the word how other people that God worked through and in did things in their environment and in their culture at that time. That gains your perspective. Read commentary on the Bible. Read books from Christian authors. Some, somebody said to me once, I only read the Bible. All right, aren't you negating most of that Ephesians where Ephesians, God gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers to help teach and interpret what God is saying. So read commentaries on the Bibles. This is growing your perspective. Also how your perspective can grow in the fullness of Christ. Know we are all better together. God designed us to commune in community. Plain and simple. Certainly at church as well. Relationships help you grow your perspective. Do you know that not every experience you had in your life is the entire experience that everybody has experienced in the world, but everybody has different experiences in their life. Here's even a controversial practice, so you can shoot me down again here. Read or listen to people from time to time, I said time to time, that you do not agree with. <gasps> Our perspective is only as clear, as, the, as broad as the perspective of those of things around us that we know. Meaning what you believe in, how do you know how true it is if you don't know anything around you that validates that truth? I'm not saying agreeing with people to turn that from an unagreement to an agreement, but learn what other people are saying. It's getting quiet in here. Here's some gum chewing. Awesome. Again, digest the Bible. Let's go to Philippians three, thirteen through fourteen. This is, again, towards the past. How can, if the fullness of Christ is moving and growing in me and I'm feeling my past is finally becoming my past. It says, Near, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So Paul here is it's just... You just need to forget the past as best you can. As much as real it is in your life, you need to trust God to help forget the past. Colossians 2, 6 through 9. This is a, about freedom from the past and a new life in Christ. It says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. So there's some opportunities. Follow Him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth where you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense. Other understandings. 
that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ, for is Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. So there's the fullness right there. Again, as the fullness of Christ is growing in you, that self-centeredness, if you're dealing with that, one way to help change that, sounds simple, but stop thinking about yourself. Is a start. In Matthew, Jesus said, deny yourself. Take up your cross and come follow me. And he was very specific about saying, if you're holding on to your life, again, some of it could be rooted in self-centeredness, you're going to lose it. I'm going to lose it? That doesn't make sense. Self-centeredness. Study scriptures that are talking about this. Here's in James 3.16, James talks about this. For, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, self-centeredness, there you'll find disorder and every evil practice. So there's not even a good in recipe for that, even in that scripture. Romans 2.8, just shooting them out here. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indication are upon them. Begin in that self-centeredness, really that sobering fact that you are not all that. But you are loved by the Creator who loves you more than you love yourself at times. Getting rid of self-centeredness. Start studying Paul's writings to the churches, right? Galatians, Corinthians, Romans. Because most of the antics the churches were doing or things they were reveling in that Paul was addressing we're very self-centered. So it will give you great examples of what Christians do when they're self-centered at times. So again, why focus on this space for today? Again, I really believe God wants us in these moments in our life, daily moments, and they will increase, increase if you're more intentional, to pioneer in these moments to see opportunities. But that won't happen if you have not been gaining to agree to get the fullness of Christ in you so your spirit and your soul can work in that space and pioneer. The Holy Spirit can be that soft, quiet voice in those moments that may not make any sense in your understanding. But follow that voice. Follow that voice. It leads to opportunities. Most of our society and culture lives in that space with no spirit in them. We know that. Their understanding is the primal influence of their soul, their mind, motions, and will. So they're quick to react, quick to bring resolve, and not take time to understand anything outside of what they understand. How can we reach them if we don't know where they are? Your moments might not be to preach to somebody, but maybe just to love on somebody. Bring hope to somebody. Encourage somebody. Let the Holy Spirit in that space, in your moments, be the greater influence. Certainly, as a Christ follower, we need to be doing this. Last example, which is, uh, I think, our key example of a person in the Bible, a man in the Bible, that he was in a moment that we can 
learn from more than the others that we talked about. And it was Jesus when he was standing in front of Pilate. There you have Jesus, barely wearing any clothes, the Son of God, with all his authority. And he stood in front of Pilate, a Pilate moment, let's say. If he was leaning in his own understanding at that time, I think it would have had a different outcome that would have changed our world. Imagine if he got mad at Pilate. Imagine if he started defending himself to Pilate or just even giving up. But no, he carried the fullness of God in him and focused on his Father's will. And the opportunity was Calvary. So he could stand there and make sure his Father's will was walked out in that Pilate moment. Many of you may have that type of Pilate moment if you haven't already in life. It may not be a challenge of your physical death, but it will be a challenge of your spirit in some way. What are you going to do in those moments? Is your posture surrender or is your posture focused on what God wants to do in every moment with the Holy Spirit living inside you? So that space, it gets entered through your perspective. Just to recap here. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, your understanding in that space are pasted on those four walls. And that space is the space where you process every moment in your daily life that's of importance. I would encourage you, as you're doing, as we get good teaching here, and continue to decide that I need to grow and get the fullness of Christ in me. So that Holy Spirit can work with your soul and work together and see opportunities daily that God has in front of you. Not obstacles, opportunities. And you're able to resolve what is going on and giving. You get the good and He gets the glory, right? To do what He's called you to do. Life is real. Past is real. Self-centeredness is real. But let your spirit be the greater influence in that space. Did you get anything out of today? So, let's, Can we stand? Stand and bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for boy, just the gift of life and that we are in it, Father God. Lord, we just pray for anybody right now that this message resonated with them and that they may find themselves... leaning to their own understanding more than leaning to what you want to do in them. Well, we know moments come every day. Life is fast. But let us understand that we need to rest in you. If this message again resonated with anybody, Lord, we just pray for them right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, just come around our brother and sister that's dealing with this, where their understanding is the greatest influence in that space in their life, Lord. And know that the Holy Spirit is living in them, in them, to influence their soul and see opportunities that you would have for them in those moments, Father God. 
Give them the strength and courage to get up every day expecting, expecting these opportunities to come, Lord. And we know that by faith, Lord, that you continue to grow in us and hunger all of us in this room to be filled with the fullness of Christ in our lives. That we are receiving your love. We are walking in your righteousness. We know how to accept your grace in certain times. And we know the authority you've given to us to bind evil spirits and to represent you in everything we do, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anybody here who's, or even online, that you don't have a relationship, I'll just be very informal like usually. You don't have a relationship with God, Jesus, none of this stuff just sounded religious to you. You know, but you don't, but you know there's something there. I want to tell you God loves you so much, so much, that he, 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 he almost bankrupt heaven for you. His son Jesus went to the cross to pay for your sins because he loved you so much. And through that, his death, the veil was torn, your sins were forgiven, and the new covenant of you having a relationship with Christ is very real right now, in this moment, like we're talking about. I would encourage you, if you don't have this relationship with Christ, it says biblically, we, if you would pray right now to accept this gift. It's a gift. No strings attached. It's a gift. That you would accept this gift. And that would be the beginning of something new in you. A relationship. God wants victory in your life over a lot of things we were talking about today. And to walk confidently as a believer in Christ. And to have joy in your life. When all things around you say not to be happy and have any joy. If you want that, please pray this prayer with me. Very simple. Heavenly Father... Thank you so much for bringing your son to the cross. Lord, I repent of any sins that I've had in my life. And I turn to follow you. Fill me with your spirit, which is truth. Lord, let me receive your love. And let me be a new creature in Christ to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you did that for the first time and you're online, call our office on Monday. I'm there Monday. I'd love to talk to you or any other person in the office, 508-336-4110. Uh, if you're here and you prayed that for the first time, visit the cafe area. 